You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 106 of Arsenal Pass. This week we're going to be breaking down Hayden's Briar deck that he would have played at the Pro Tour if he was able to attend. Hayden prepped for this Pro Tour like he was going to be competing. So this is sort of in the mind of a pro, how they were prepared, the deck he came up with, why he came up with it, looking at the metagame, looking at, of course, you know, the main deck, why we chose the, why the, cho- why we chose the cards we chose, um, and why we omitted some cards, you know, specifically Arcane Barrier in this list, and then talking about the sideboard and, of course, game plans um, and all that good stuff. Anyway, Hayden, before that, how was your week in Flesh and Blood? Good week in Flesh and Blood. PT is this coming weekend, so I'm going to be glued to my screen watching one Brennan Patrick plus friends casting. Uh, got a few extra drafts in, got a few games of CC and just sort of, I kind of put the deck down last week, kind of just been changing a few cards. I'll talk about it once we get into the pod. There's about 90 cards that I could see fitting into this deck. Briar is the deck I would have played at the PT. It's a, a hero that has access to a lot of different cards. So it's been sort of the last bits of testing has been Really, just what cards you play and why as the meta starts to evolve and develop. And I know, Brennan, you're, I mean, by the time this pod goes out, you've already done this, but you're hosting a Twitter space shortly after this pod about the meta with Tarek Patel. And I think I'm interested to hear because I think the meta has really been, at least in testing groups, it's probably been fairly, I don't want to say stale, but Mm. fairly solved to a degree for a while. But I think in the public eye, it's been evolving a lot over the past two weeks. And, And for a lot of people, it would have been still in testing. But I think, uh, certain groups would have had their their understanding of what this um, meta is going to look like. So it's going to be really interesting. That's what I, I say when sort of deciding last few cards, which we'll talk about. And then, I mean, I played a Blitz Skirmish on the weekend, which was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I got out to a limited a, a draft and sealed skirmish a couple of weeks ago uh, in week one when I was back home in New Zealand. This final week, I did bring out the Ice Wizard, bought out Icelander for the final time before at Living Legends. I mean, it's, it's yeah, we'll see. It's about the Living Legend. With the conclusion of the skirmish season, uh, same as Alton by the looks of it, played, uh, managed to managed to snag a little Coldfoil Azalea by winning the event, Brendan. So had a lot of fun. It was a, a cool deck I played. Um, I mean, not too dissimilar. I know Arcane, if you've been following Blitz at all this season, the Arcane Icelander has been the deck that everyone's been sort of touting as the best deck in the format. I, I don't disagree. Storm Striders is broken, as Brendan very well knows, uh, and would be upset if it got taken away from him again. But I did play some attack actions in my deck, and I also played... I tell you, The card I played that did so much work for me was definitely this round's on me. So, um, mm. yeah. Anyway, it was fun. I had a lot of fun. That's a card that, that you know, we were messing around with in the... The Blitz deck for Worlds. Uh, yeah, a lot of those mm-hmm. sort of cantripping cards. Um, yeah, so by the time this has come out, I've done two Twitter spaces with Mr. Tarek Patel. We're doing sort of a full comprehensive... We did a full comprehensive breakdown of the meta. So literally top to bottom, all the decks, what we think is going to show up, and then diving into the actual lists and the game plans. Just, I mean, if you don't know anything, if you didn't know anything, it's weird talking about this in the past tense. If you didn't know anything about what the Pro Tour might look like, I hope that after listening to this one Twitter space, which is recorded, um, is probably you know, on my profile or something, you'll be up to speed. That's really the goal. So I think it'll be on the longer side. And then, of course, uh, you know, a couple of days after that, we did the limited version. The same thing, same goal. Um, just prepping for the pro tour and bringing experts in their fields on stage. So you know, maybe you know, maybe in your play group, you've got the Jeremiah stand who's like, "This deck is so good," and you're like, "Hey, dude, it loses." 
every single event, but he really believes that. Well, this is what those Twitter spaces are for, bringing those people on board so they can come make their case about why they keep losing so much. Anyway, Hayden, into the news. Imagine, imagine if Jerome <laughs> won the PT. Imagine if Jerome won the PT. Um, would be huge. Yeah, I, I also just want to say, if you're looking for that Blitz Icelander deck, not that it's going to be super relevant mm-hmm. now because it's about the Living Legend, but there was another couple of weeks before the announcement. So if you were playing any uh, armories or anything, you can find the deck list down in the description of the video. But yeah, Brennan, news time. <laughs> I think you're going to lead the news this week. You've got you've got something to tell us about. I mean, PT's coming up this week. Yeah, weekend, I was right? going to say, it's, uh, I've been holding this news back for a long time, but it's actually a pro tour this weekend. Um, <laughs> I will be casting alongside Pan and Flake, uh, Brian Gottlieb and DM Armada. Um, yeah, in Baltimore, Pro Tour Baltimore. It's a big event. I'm very excited for it. And I know that they've, you know, Legend Story Studios has specifically stepped up the coverage. For anybody that doesn't, isn't aware, uh, this, this viewing experience should be different than Worlds, particularly because we're actually working through a different company now. We were working through kind of through CFB and their production crew before, and now this will be th- through Star City Games. So I, as a cast, I'm really excited to see how that pans out. And of course, always excited for the Pro Tour and just always grateful to be able to go to these events and meet people, hang out, and basically work doing the thing I love. So it's a it's a great opportunity. Hayden, what else, what else do you have for us in the news? Well, I was just going to ask you if, you know, like myself, people are not going to be at Baltimore, but want to watch the coverage this mm. weekend. Where do we... Where do we go to find that? It's on the Star City Games Twitch. That's where it will be. Yep, yep. Uh, I'll be there. I'll be in the chat. <laughs> Just flaming is uh, like, ah, oh, how could he think that? No, it gets it gets pretty crazy is, in there. Who is this Brendan Patrick guy? Get him off the mics. No. Get him off the mics. Uh, <laughs> Skirmish Season 6 is wrapped up. We have almost certainly said goodbye to Ultimate Icelander in the Blitz format uh good riddance i mean honestly my my kind of takeaway for, from playing skirmish over the weekend was that i'm excited to see the back of particularly icelander but i think even ultim as well it's really gonna change this format i think i'm really interested to see is kano now just gonna be the best deck storm striders is just so insane to me uh, i almost played kano this past weekend but the icelander matchup was just you know really really bad so I just decided to play icelander i want to play a wizard uh, I think Ira comes back into the fold as well, which is really cool. So, yep, Skirmish Season 6 wrapped up. There was also limited events as well. People prepping, having opportunities to play, draft, ready for Road to Nationals, which is cool. Um, what else? So there's some great articles over on fabtg.com as well yeah. that I wanted to highlight. Heading into Pro Tour Baltimore weekend, there's some interviews with previous winners. Uh, there's a big... If you are planning to go to Baltimore and you don't really know too much about side events and stuff, there's a massive piece about side events on there and what to expect. Plus, there is a full schedule up on uh, as me and Brennan just found out on uh, fabprotour.com you can also check that website out it has the full schedule available to you yeah <laughs> <Side-based> <laughs> it is the information is not on fabtcg.com it is actually on fabprotour.com which is uh looks like it is like a star city games landing page um yeah i mean yeah. speaking of content they've been putting out uh they also put out a the developers put up a of a draft sort of a draft video on youtube uh mm. which i watched as well i mean it's i feel like legend story studios goes through these like sprints of doing content um you know like they come up with an idea for like some content then they get the creators together and like you know maybe in like this month some random month or two months we start to have like a bunch of content from them well that's happening right now in the lead up to the pro tour so there's a bunch of good stuff up on the uh, on the fab youtube channel and i think the mm-hmm. be- i think the best one to watch actually in preparation for the pro tour is of course the uh, the draft sort of the draft breakdown from the developers the people that created the set but i would have to recommend above that of course uh, a little podcast called limited time only with one of the best draft players in the world <laughs> yeah number five apparently for now <laughs> i'm sure that'll change after mm-hmm. the pt uh speaking of limited time only yeah we do have the last two weeks we've had some amazing guests do heroes or classes rather we've done ranger we've done assassin 
Ninja will be coming up. No limited time only this week, week of the Pro Tour. Instead, actually, what we have is we have constructed, class-constructed gameplay heading into the Pro Tour. I grabbed uh, local friend Nick Butcher, current Australian national champion, to play some in-person games with me. Brendan, I think you're going to like the setup, I, I hope. Anyway, I'm looking forward to the, the feedback on this in-person setup we have. Uh, you know, we've got some some a few different dual cameras going on. There's a few different sort of angles and things like that to see the gameplay unfold. So, uh, yeah, we have a couple of game. Uh, I mean, by, by the time this pod's gone up, I think both of, if not definitely the first gameplay, which is Briar versus Dromai is up. Uh, for all you Dromai stands out there and playing my Briar deck that we're going to talk about today uh, is up there. And then the second game as well, which features Azalea, uh, should, be, should probably be up as well. So you can go check those out. As I say, no limited time only this week. But if you are looking for draft content uh, up on the Patreon, though, I do have an additional draft video like we did a couple of weeks ago on limited time only it's a full draft viewer so to speak over the shoulder uh, view of me drafting and me talking through the draft itself uh, in this one i want to say what did i draft i'm pretty sure i drafted riptide in this one i can't quite remember what, what's gone up yeah, but um you watched like one of the best decks go past you if it was the same thing i watched oh no so so that was uh wait which one's this this is one i don't know you sent me a video and it was you doing a draft and you're like can i get some feedback on this and i was like I gave you feedback, but particularly in that draft, you watched like the best, I think it was like the best ninja deck ever go right past you. Or you were drafting oh, ninja think- and it was the best Azalea deck that went past you. I can't remember. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's my ninja draft and a really strong Azalea deck goes past. Yeah, which is the one that's up on up on our YouTube channel from uh, episode 3.5, limited time only. But yeah, here's a, here's a fresh new draft that I just did over the weekend. So mm-hmm. enjoy. Anyway, I that's s- all I've got to say. Yeah, I just want to also, it's it's so funny, Hayden, because I don't, I don't think you really, <laughs> you really know this, but just to take people behind the curtain, like in preparation for the Pro Tour Baltimore, uh, it's pretty crazy how much of a resource limited time only has been to me. I honestly didn't play too much drafts, but like, I feel like you, if you just listen to the right podcast from the right players like i don't know that's like all you really need to do i feel like i understand the format better than if i drafted it a hundred times just at my locals to be honest and i've just been consuming content i've been done the same thing sort of for decks that i don't usually play so you know i gotta know what hell jeremiah is so i go back and read scott's little write-up from irish jeremiah and also watch some videos from some some jeremiah specialists won't be hitting up the bolton videos this time but you know maybe eventually prove me wrong we'll see one in top eight uh but yeah really such a good resource um if you want to know sort of what's going on to Pro Tour, you want to understand what you're seeing on camera better, definitely check check those uh, the limited time only out. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you. It's a not very kind words, Brendan. Well, you just you give me a you give me an avenue to be lazy, <laughs> so I'm like, hell yeah, this is keep doing this. <laughs> All right, Hayden. Speaking of being lazy, let's throw some burgers on that Barbie and cook up that commanded cookout. What do we have this week? Yeah, we got a great question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Excuse you. <laughs> We have a great question Tearing from uh, <laughs> from YouTube actually this time, which comes from Wampa Fruit from last week's podcast actually, which I thought was a, a pretty particularly good potential of what might happen in the next few weeks. Question for the pod, Wampa Fruit says, once Ultim rotates out slash Living Legends, would you prefer to see another Elemental Guardian with both Ice and Earth or two Elemental Guardians, one with Ice and one with Earth? separately it seems as though a large part of ultim's dominance comes from how flexible he is and how wide his pool of cards is targeting elemental guardians card pool might help us with this yeah i wonder if this is like uh does this does this sort of point or hint towards like a inherent issue with talent design 
in the first place, do you think, where we're running into the position where Oldham is so powerful because it just had, I mean, I, I, when I think about talent design and maybe talent design not being, you know, not executing in the way that maybe they have the original vision for, I look at the disparity between something like Oldham and Bravo, where I see Oldham just as, you know, it's, it's a better guardian. I'm sorry. But the access to cars that Oldham has versus Bravo, obviously Crown of Seeds helps a lot. It just feels like Bravo is kind of falling behind and we might need to see like what we saw with Star Wars, see some sort of treatment on top of it so it gets a bit more powerful. So I wanted to preface um, Wampa Fruit's question with that, Hayden, and ask you if you think this is like sort of a systematic issue that happens because of the the way talents work in Flesh and Blood. Mm. Well, like you say, you know, Bravo got the treatment and was really, really balanced as well. So I don't really <laughs> yeah. under... No, I mean... Yes, I think it is. And I, I think it's no, I mean, it, it isn't. It, I can say with 100% certainty, it's no coincidence that LSS decided to move away from talents for the set, uh, whether that's for the reason you're asking or whether it's for just taking a reset and bringing Flesh and Blood back to a slightly less of a, a base power level from a hero standpoint. Card standpoint, obviously, we know we've had a lot mm-hmm. of powerful cards printed the set, Codex, Codex um, Premeditate, etc. But yeah, I think that is a big part of it is that the talents are and you know, they're inherently hard to balance they they extend card pools they make them wider they give these heroes avenues to play in in different ways and i think i don't know if it's necessarily true that they're not playing the way that they anticipated i think they've just gotten to a point of maybe not quite what lss envisioned and james white probably flesh and blood to play like yeah um necessarily i don't think it's t- too much of a deviation but i think you know this decision to move away from a talented set with outsiders makes a lot of sense for kind of where the game stands and i guess when it comes to what elemental guardians look like i really hope that we just kind of take a little bit of a break a little bit of a break from elemental guardian um but i could see just you know two it's weird because tales of Aria obviously brings three elements together and each hero has a slice of that right with two so if you walk away from that can you support heroes with one element for instance i think probably and i think it's probably a pretty cool way to do it you know Mm -hmm. as a game designer you know if you were looking at the current situation with excuse me ultimate bravo like outside of specialization cards how would i make bravo more powerful or maybe flush out the hero a little bit more without inherently feeding old him as well is it even possible or are you sort of locked in to that uh that design yeah, well, I guess Ultim Living Legend opens up that avenue, right? But we've already seen that happen. Like, we've seen Bravo get better because of cards printed, which have also helped Ultim. You know, Macho Grande uh, is a fantastic card for Bravo, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also a fantastic card for Ultim on the flip side of it. So, you know, these cards that are inherently just good Guardian cards, they're going to benefit both a non-talented and a talented Guardian. And that that is part of the, the design piece that needs to be balanced. So, and that is, you know, outside of cards like Specializations, it's really, really hard for the game designers to do that because how do you how do you lock something to be bravo but not ultim for instance like it's just it's it, ultim can always go well i'll just build bravo but you know as ultim so it's it's it is difficult you know i think i w- i would have thought that when you looked at like let's say uh, with the situation with bravo and ultim that when you were creating ultim you may have put maybe put a worse hero power in ultimate made the, made the hero like the hero inherently less powerful but have access to more cards seems like in the case of ultim versus bravo ultim had the almost objectively better hero power and had access to more cards do you think that the balance would potentially be this you know a bit more at parity uh if ultim had a somewhat worse hero ability 
I mean, maybe the hero ability is really, really good, but so is a card like Oakenold, uh, Pulse. So is access to play all of these Guardian Blues and Reds, plus also, you know, the use of some good elemental cards as well. And so if it was Ice only, for instance, and only had the Ice side of the ability, that's still pretty powerful, right? Like there's still a lot of things that could be used there. So the other thing you could look at, right, I guess is... um you know to this question i think that would still limit it to a degree you know it, it takes away the avenue of saying okay well say the next guardian the next elemental guardian is an ice only guardian then you you do take away that earth kind of element all of a sudden it's like well you know they don't have to worry about channel heroic being a problem for that that guardian potentially they don't have to worry about uh you know certain i guess earth cards or they they can't play pulse for instance you know that so there is a lot of different things they can consider if they just make it one element mm-hmm yeah, I mean, talents, talents to me in terms of like longevity and scalability in Flesh and Blood are fascinating. And I'm just really interested mm-hmm. to see, you know, we're a couple of years in or maybe three years into this point, but I want to look, you know, another five years. <laughs> what has that design sort of aged into? Yeah, I'm, we're going to get a new talented set, right? Dust of Dawn looks, all things pointing to being talented, right? Mm-hmm. It looks like a, a shadow and, and uh, light set. So I'm excited to see how they revisit talents and how they take a because i think and we've talked about this a lot on the pod monarch tales of aria really big bump in power and they returned with you know dynasty outsiders even uprising was sort of you know i think uprising is a good and well maybe not i take it back i was about to say uprising is a good indication of how to maybe use the talents but look at icelander i'm not so sure so i just take it all I mean, back look let's at, see what look they do with fi. i mean you say look at icelander yeah, but sure, look sure. at that's fi. a better example fi has seen yeah i mean fi initially was ridiculous i mean that, mm-hmm. and it's still i mean it still is a very powerful hero but um yeah talents talents are draw my movie yeah. Maybe Droma is the better example then. <laughs> yeah, maybe Droma yeah, is a better example, I think, for sure. And, you know, we, we got Droma by trading off, um, you know, what was Spectra and the only other illusionist, oh which is yeah, ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah thanks for the question. Well, before I hope we answered that question. Hayden, do you think we answered it completely? I, I do think that, you know, as Ultim rotates out, they probably will revisit as something specifically ice or earth, but they would, I feel like they would have to come out in the same set. One of the things, sorry, I'm going to harp on about this, but one of the things about talent as well is once something living legends, um, you know, it kind of feels like they're at this point, they're pegged into redesigning another hero under the same talent, or there's just a lot of dead cards in the game. Right. And I think that's like, if you're a shadow Runeblade player or a light illusionist player, you sort of feel right now. Um, and you know, if we extend that to both, you know, earth and ice, cards you know, that would be fitting into this oldham deck it just kind of compounds the issue i think it's okay to have some of those cards you know a, a section of a card pool that isn't playable for say six to twelve months as a stretch for instance mm-hmm. in class constructed but i think once you get to both formats like they say prism ll'd in both formats blitz and cc i think that's a real feels bad because players can own these cards and can't play them in any particular format um i think that's an issue but i think what would be even worse is not being able to play the class and at the moment lss i think are mostly committed to that to making sure you know hey you're an illusions player uh, there's going to be an illusions available you're oh you're a, you're a guardian player you're a runeblade player those will be available to you in some way shape or form um talents that's another i think piece of the the puzzle and i think that's why we haven't seen you know talented cards printed in these supplemental sets mm-hmm. and they've stayed true to the classes because that's what they're they're committed to supporting and growing the carpool for and growing the game for so um i think just on this last last point of the question i think i would prefer personally to see them dabble around with 
solo elements with single elements for a potential elemental guardian down the road but also you know what let's take a break from elemental guardian for a good 12 months or so yeah i'm fine with that i wonder if they could add an additional deck building constraint onto um elemental or talented heroes because they have access to such a larger card pool but it, you know maybe that would just be too nuanced and confusing for people um anyway Thanks for the question, Wampa Fruit. If you want your question read out on next week's pod, shoot us a comment on YouTube and we'll get it queued up. On to the main topic, Hayden. Let's start off by talking, you know, before we dive into your Briar deck, let's talk about the meta at the PT. Before I go into it, because I think I've been monologuing about this for the past three weeks on, on Arsenal Pass, because you're the person bringing the deck, you chose to bring Briar. Talk to me about mm-hmm. what meta you specifically thought was going to show up and what decks you were really targeting when you picked this. Yeah, I mean, we're in the final week, so the meta is really, you know, you can never predict the meta, but you can always have a pretty good estimation, especially if you feel like you have your finger on the pulse of what's happening. You know, you're you're testing, you're iterating, you're finding out what other groups and players are probably finding out as well. And I think, you know, Brennan, we we found this out for PT1. We basically had the metagame nailed for PT1, Mm -hmm. I think, within sort of like 5 or 10% of what we thought was going to show up. Uh, PT2, very similar as well worlds i think we're pretty close like we're always able to try and understand what these metagames are and it's such an important point of deciding what deck to play is understanding what you will play unless you've just broken the format and you've just got this deck that just doesn't really care which has just not really happened to be honest um we haven't really seen it yet so i guess what the meta is going to look like from my estimation is that ultim is the defining deck of this meta whether it's going to be the most played deck i think it will be the most played deck but it's either way it's the defining deck because it's defining what you can and cannot play i think it's similar to what prism has done in other formats it has but ultim is also just has great spread so you have to understand okay what am i doing into ultim what are my plans and i'm gonna play this deck at some point in the event i'm gonna have to play against it and i'm gonna have to beat it if i want to win or top eight a pro tour so um most likely <laughs> split format but so i think ultim is kind of is the deck i think it's gonna be first or second most played my my understanding is i think it will be the most played deck in the format i think a lot of people who have tried things are going to come back to ultim maybe they even tried bravo for a bit realized as brennan says ultim probably just better guardian especially in this format uh you know they've looked at ways to beat ultim they've looked at decks to target ranger which we'll talk about in a second i think a lot of them will come back to ultim as the deck and come up with plans for ranger which we're about to talk about and kind of a spread of the, just having a good matchups just just feeling confident in a deck that just has a good spread so i think we're gonna see ultim as the defining deck but mm-hmm. also probably the most played deck and then lexi lexi is like has you know in in testing been really really strong obviously a lot of cards printed with outsiders that give it this massive bump just like we've seen with azalea and some previous events but while the sort of some of the focus was on azalea you know we talked a lot about it as well um, with azalea and sort of the brawl and battle hard in richmond lexi is the deck that has been in testing groups people have been you know it's the talented ranger people have been trying to work out what this looks like people have been refining and building their lexi decks and i think a lot of groups and teams and individuals because of the power level of lexi is just this really strong aggressive deck that actually also has some inbuilt disruption are gonna land on this deck and the kind of consensus i think for a lot of groups is that naturally it has a good matchup into ultim mm-hmm. it has a you know and i think that's why people are going to land on lexi now i think ultims are going to understand this and they're going to combat it and i think people are still going to see ultim as the most played deck but i think lexi is going to be not far behind those are going to be the top two played decks brendan 
Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, particularly when you talk about Lexi as being maybe the second most played deck in the role, it feels specifically mm-hmm. as a sort of more linear aggro deck that does have a decent, uh, if not good matchup into Oldham. I think it's, you know, probably it's sort of around that 50 ish range. You know, I, players will disagree on who's favorite and who's not. Um, I think that Briar fills the same role, to be honest. I think that, but I think that if you, your Briar can have a better matchup into Oldham, than Lexi potentially. So I'm really interested to hear kind of why we land on Briar. But before that, let's talk about some other decks that are going to show up. Yeah. Um, obviously, <laughs> Azalea. So, you know, in the context of a Briar pick, Azalea is a problem, which we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll dive into. And there has been a lot of card choices in this specific deck, uh, keeping that in mind. But Azalea is going to show up. I mean, had a great performances at the two prior tournaments to um, two Pro Tour Baltimore, which, you know, it's NA only. It's a small sample size, but you got to take it into consideration. Brody's been absolutely, you know, crushing with that deck and then finally i think the last deck to really to really keep on your radar is Druai. although this is an international event and there's players all from the world all from around the world traveling it is a north american based event and i think that the north american sort of metadata is weighted a bit more when you do have those events because there's going to be more of them uh more of those players at the events and i think that if you look at uh past results there's a lot of jermai um i don't know if the europeans are going to bring jermai but i do know the americans are and i think that it could creep up into a, a top three play deck to be honest as crazy as it sounds like i i legitimately think that jermai could be anywhere from the third most played deck to like the fifth or sixth most played deck. It just really depends on people flip-flop at the end here. Um, and I think that's like the main thing you need to keep in mind. I think Icelander, you know, we're talking about picking Briar. Icelander's seen some, seen some nerfs, uh, since, you know, since the world championships. And now we have, like, I think Briar's in a better spot as Icelander sort of rotates out with a lot of Zelia floating around and it just not having the greatest matchup spread. Outside of that, um, there's not, I don't think there's too much more you really need to prepare on. As a person you know, looking at the Pro Tour planning to bring Briar, if you do think Bravo's going to show up, I think that this defense reaction package, I don't know if it makes it into the Bravo matchup, but you have it. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah, I think that, that. The, yeah, I think the way it works with, with Briar is that you tend to just kind of fridge the one relevant attack Bravo has per game. Um, but you have a defense reaction package to bring if you need to. But uh, yeah, so that's that's my breakdown. Totally agree with you on t- as old him being the rock of the format. And I do think it will be the most played deck. Um, and then two, three, two and three are up for grabs. But I, uh, the last point here is I do think the Europeans will bring Briar. I do think that they will come to a similar conclusion. I think they have shown historically that they are on this deck when other regions are not. And I think that there is like a budding scene in the U.S. that is finding this deck. I mean, and you found it, of course. I think the Europeans are going to, there's going to be a lot of Briar. Uh, from the Europeans. Yeah, maybe not the, maybe not top three most played decks, but I do think the Europeans are going to bring Briar. Yeah. It's interesting. I'll talk about... Let me just say this first. I don't think Briar is the best deck, by the way. But I do think it is uh, a very particular meta call that I think can work really well this weekend. So I just want to talk about some of the other decks because we talked about, I think, Ultim and Lexi. I actually just think they're solidified as one and two this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I obviously could be wrong, but that's that's where I believe we're going to sit. Um, I think Dromai and Azalea are probably, like you say, battling for third. I think Bravo could, on in all honesty, be up there as well. But people, people are looking at Bravo as a, a deck that is better into the ranges. Mm-hmm. That is what people are looking at. Um, but I, I think what will happen is people will just find that they can just build their ultimate. The thing is, ultimate is such a widespread of how you can build it that people have 
it's actually so hard. You know, you talk about, oh, Ultims will disagree or the Lexis will disagree about the side of the matchup. But actually what it comes down to is what people end up on for their lists, both for, for Lexis and Ultims. Ultims can range from a lot more defensive, looking to potentially fatigue Lexis, to really aggressive, to attack the ranges at a base level of on hits. They can be somewhere in between to have better matchups against, you know, the Mirror and Drum. Like the, the spread of Ultims is going to be really wide. So I actually think also Ultims asking the question of, hey, can you deal with my strategy to these other decks? Um... Dromai, I think when you talk about Dromai, one thing I want to point out is that the conversion has not been that great for Dromai in, in these events we've seen, although it has been first, second, third most played deck at these events. But I do, this might sound a little bit off base, so feel free to flame me a little in the comments. I think a lot of people that are choosing to play this deck at these events are not the top players. These aren't the players who are necessarily going to be playing at the PT. I think in the calling, we might see a higher representation of Dromai. But I think in the PT, I think people are going to have a people. There is some really good Dromai players, and people have good reasons to play Dromai in this format, especially if they feel really uh, steadfast in their range of matchup. Mm -hmm. Then they have good reasons to play Dromai, and maybe they have a good plan into certain Alton plans. Great, good reasons to to pick Dromai, right? Like that deck is better than I think a lot of people think it is, but I also think it's worse than a lot of Dromai players think it is. So it's it's this funny one. Um, quickly as well, just to kind of harp on what you said, Azalea. Azalea is interesting. How many people play Azalea versus how many people play Lexi? I think that's kind of a boat of where people will be sitting in. I think the reason to play Azalea for this event is that if you feel like your Lexi matchup is good, then you play Azalea. I know I've seen and I've experienced both sides feeling good on both sides. Red in the ledger is a hell of a card mm -hmm. and it can absolutely just decimate Lexi and there's not particularly great ways for them to deal with it. So I think some people will decide to play Azalea. I think your auto matchup sucks and I think for that reason... Azalea players, unless they've got these grand plans of how they're going to beat Ultim, are going to move towards decks like Lexi, maybe Briar, maybe even Ultim itself. So I think kind of in my head that makes Azalea less played. Now that is a reason that I like Briar a lot more is I think Azalea is actually going to drop off coming into this weekend. Mm -hmm. I think Icelander just has such a tough time into these, these heroes and these plans. The plans are so widespread. Lexi is a terrible matchup for you, I think. And I, I, while I think you can maybe fix the Azalea matchup to a degree and get it somewhere close to 50-50, I don't think you can do that with Lexi in these current forms. So anyway, all this to say, I think that what I think the meta looks like is Ultim, Lexi, Dromai, Azalea, Bravo as the kind of the top five decks. And for that reason, that's why I would land on, on Briar for that reason. Also, I like playing this kind of deck because I think it has this ability to skew between aggressive and have these defensive packages and also ask the question Rosetta Thorn, Channel Mount Rock, these are hell of cards. Yep. Um I think there's a couple ancillary decks that will show up um and could be decent. Yeah, it could be decently positioned, yeah. but I think that they're kind of leaving a lot up to gem. Uh that is of course Azuri. And then lastly, uh the one I actually think that is maybe better positioned is probably Dash, uh to be honest. But I don't think it's I don't think it's in a great slot. Outside of that I don't I don't see any of the other heroes being legitimate contentions. I had to submit a top eight prediction, uh, like a caster mm -hmm. top eight prediction, and my top eight prediction was four old him, um, one Lexi, one Azalea, one Briar, one Jermai, because I feel like those last four are flip in. Um, you know, like it's just kind of totally random, and those I think those are going to be the most played decks. I also think the Briar is just going to be, uh, even though it's not sh sort of showing up in the meta right now i think the europeans will bring it i think it's a good deck and then you know as hayden is, show, is going to show it seems to be well positioned um but yeah i do think that you know we're looking at potentially like four old him in the top eight i think the old him is just dude i think the old him is just the rock in this format like it is yeah. a really good deck and old him is old him is the dash question on steroids like if you sit in front of dash you got to wonder okay are we getting fatigued are we doing items this exodia you know are we getting boosts on old him is like i am the best 
sort of value deck or I'm the best fatigue deck. That is very hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know what? Dash, because the, the question we've got, to, I think we've got to address Dash. Mm-hmm. I think Dash could sneak in and be in the top five, actually, if if this happens. If people look at this super defensive Dash sort of control deck and they feel like they have a way to fatigue the Rangers, I don't think they do. I think they like to think that they can get there. I think it's actually still unfavored because immediately you see the first few cards from Dash, you can understand what their plan is. And I think that is. For the Azaleas, uh, for the sorry, Rangers of the World with Codexes and and these, you know, particularly Lexi, I think I don't see how you can fatigue Lexi. The the output of turn damage they can produce by setting things up is just crazy, crazy, crazy. Ultim, if Ultim can barely do it, then I don't see how Dash is doing it. Um, they've got less cards in the deck, so mm-hmm. for one. But that is that is one thing, right? But so I think some people will decide Dash because they feel like that is that. They feel like they have a good Ultim matchup. If Ultim's the best deck, hey, if I have this this Dash control deck that can prey on Ultims because they can't devote enough cards for me, like Warhorn packages, for instance, and sort of recycling packages, Remembrance, etc., then great, I've got a good matchup there and potentially the best deck. And I think that's why people will choose to play it. And then maybe they feel like they can get their range of matchups somewhere reasonable. I, I don't, I don't personally see that. But the one thing I do want to quickly point out with Dash is that people could actually decide to play aggro Dash. Mm like super boost dash if they think that the ultims can't go fatigue because they need to be proactive into the mirror and ranges for instance then all of a sudden you know you've got this deck that i think dash when it's like doing its thing and being super aggressive is one of the most explosive decks in the format now what you have to deal with is potential a little bit of range disruption and azalea disruption but if you feel like you can deal with that then maybe you play aggro dash i wouldn't touch it but some people might. Yeah, I think it's a super uh, a super bold pick, um, boost dash uh, into this meta. I would be, you know, like you said, if I sat down I and agree. I was sitting across from a dash player and they turned out to be boost, yeah, I would definitely be surprised. Probably wouldn't be what I pre-boarded for, to be honest. Like, we talk about the dash question, but at the Pro Tour, I would pretty much only expect my opponent to be on one version of dash because I think the other version just... Currently. Yeah, probably can squeak in. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think that does sum up sort of our, our meta breakdown um, mm-hmm. and... You know, gives sort of the method to the madness of why on why you picked your deck. Let's talk about the Pro Tour in terms of how it's set up. Um, so we have day one, which is you know four rounds of Swiss at the beginning, four rounds of class constructed Swiss, and then three rounds of booster draft. So that is different from the World Championships. Um, and then we flip it on Saturday, which is three rounds of. There's a cut. There's a cut first, right? Uh, there's yeah, a cut to day two. All you players do have to with make four it into day or two. more wins go to day two. Um, and then on day two, there's three rounds of Swiss booster draft and four rounds of Swiss class constructed and that's of course cut to top eight top eight is top eight but it begins at 9 a.m single elimination class constructed what we're used to um so hey mm-hmm. does does the flip-flop of the where the draft is in the day does that change your strategy at all does it change how you think about the tournament at all or is it completely inconsequential uh it probably shouldn't but it does a little bit i think it you know in theory there's this whole idea it's like well if you have constructed second you have draft first in theory the better players are at you know the higher brackets right and so you would less likely to face random rogue decks but that's not necessarily true like you know some people might be draft experts but they might be taking a punt on cc you might just get the kind of random gym gym pairing anyway you might not have that good a draft run and then you get put in the one two or the two one bracket and you're playing you know for instance in my case i'm playing briar spoiler alert i'm playing zero arcane barrier on my deck which we'll talk about um which is a choice i'm making because i think that the wizards are pretty 
going to be pretty lowly represented. I think it's a really tough choice to, to pick to play a wizard in this format. But, you know, maybe I end up in the, the two-on bracket with a couple of Icelanders. You know, so it, it could go either way. I, don't, I honestly, at all in all, I think it, it doesn't matter. I think you pick, you try and define the meta, you pick the deck for CC that is best in that meta for you to play, and then you just have a good draft strategy and you go for it. So I don't think it changes it too much. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, that's good to know. In terms of draft, is there? are you expecting to see sort of any strategy uh, percolate above another? Like, is there one hero that you are maybe shying away from because you think people will be in it more? So something you think is just mm-hmm. easier to play that players are going to latch on to? Like, what is a super high level sort of, um, you know, day one draft strategy you would keep in mind as a player going to the Pro Tour? Yeah, let me just give you the overview of what I think is going to happen at this mm. PT when it comes to draft. I think players are overwhelmingly going to avoid Ranger. Mm. I think people think that Ranger is not only hard to draft, but is if there's three Rangers at the table, you probably uh, you you just have a terrible deck, both, all three players. Uh, so I think people are going to actively avoid Ranger. And by whether, and I mean they're going to ship. They're going to ship the Ranger cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other thing is that people, the overwhelming strategy is people are going to stay open. People are going to pick generics early. They're going to pick the the hybrid cards early. And they're going to have, a lot of people are going to have preference to be an assassin. Mm-hmm. It's safe. It can support four players at the table really easily with good decks. It is, uh, I think, what people feel comfortable with, having more exposure and discussions in the sort of community and people playing and i think it's a bit more sort of straightforward as well so i think that's kind of the overall of what we'll see um me personally i wouldn't be avoiding ranger i would be looking to stay open like other people will be and if i get a sniff that there's an azalea deck at the table that i could be into i'm into it like i think if i can be the only azalea at the table i feel really confident that i can draft a a really strong 3-0 deck my problem with riptide and why i think people are avoiding ranger is because riptide because the traps are really good in this format and Assassin wants them. And mm. if you've got five people at the table fighting for these hybrid traps and one of them's a Riptide, four of them's Assassin, the Riptide really needs them. That sucks for you. So Riptide is, is I agree, people are avoiding it for a good reason. You can still have a good Riptide deck, but I think it's the weakest hero, unfortunately. I think people, the last one I want, sort of thing I want to highlight is I think people will potentially try and force Ninja, thinking that it's a little bit underdrafted. Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and they can set up these potentially really strong Katsu or Benji decks. Um, Interesting. That's a, more of a niche strategy, but I think we will see that. Yeah, I mean, if I was to, I don't know, try to read the social dynamics of past Pro Tours and you know, just going off what you said there with um, there being a lot more information out about Assassin and supporting more players, being easier to play, I would think that there's going to be a lot of people at this tournament that are going to, you know, they'll take a little bit of a punt on draft, not practice as much as they should and they'll probably just go force go force assassin i think that, that is like we yeah. we've seen that that is that is a a very relevant and actually reasonable strategy in flesh and blood to you know maybe get a 2-1 out of that pod um so yeah i i would i'd be surprised uh but you know i'll defer to you if you think that people might be forcing ninja because if they do it early enough they can get a ridiculous deck yeah, I'm not saying that people won't force assassin i think people will maybe they, they've just found that they have a lot better success with assassin they can immediately force it and being one of the four assassins what i want to point out though is there's there's a bit of an issue with trying to force assassin i think Mm -hmm. is that if assassin is the best class in this draft because it can support and i'm not saying because it's going to be the strongest necessarily but because it can support the most number of players if you first pick an assassin card say out of your pack we don't know pack distributions but it's it's almost impossible that the person to your left is going to know you've taken an assassin card they could be taking generics then, you know, the next pack, they take another generic and then they flow through to like 
a hybrid card or a rare or something, because of the pack distribution in this, it's a lot harder to isolate than it was for, say, Uprising. I think people will naturally have this tendency to stay open and then probably move towards Assassin if it doesn't feel overwhelmingly like Ninja or Ranger are open. And you could end up as like one of five Assassins, even if you're forcing. I think forcing doesn't dictate downstream. Like if I use an example, last format, if you got a, you, if you got a pack past you, Brendan, and was missing a Dromai mm-hmm. card, you were staying as million miles away from Dromai, right? Yep. And it was really easy to tell. You could even tell with Icelander as well. You're staying a million miles away. But would you stay away from Fire even if it was missing a card from the pack? No. Nope. <laughs> no. And and I think we're going to see something similar with Assassins. So I just think that people, yeah, people will force it, like you said, but I just don't know if it's necessarily as much of a strategy as, say, forcing Fire was in the last format. Yeah. Um, Okay, so the last question I have for you is just what do you think the pack distribution is going to be? Do you think they're going to do Belgian one day, Japanese the other day, or do you think they're going to do a custom a custom mix? I think they're going to do what they originally printed on the site. <laughs> so I think probably what they're going to do is, if I, I'm thinking like practicality of sourcing product mm-hmm. in the US, I think probably what they're going to do is they have mostly Belgian product in the US. I think they're going to open Belgian product and they're going to anything that's massively out of the norm, mm. they're going to fix the pack or just discard the pack and move on. Um, so I think you could have one to three rears as it, as it does say. Um, I think you're going to have, you know, you could have one to three class commons as well. Honestly, I, I really, I don't know. I yeah. think that works practically, but. I think, um, I think, you know, Path of Least Resistance, uh, they obviously, you know, they have a lot going on. And <laughs> even even without this whole distribution issue, so these drafts, like people get packs that are messed up. Like, I mean, there's a lot that goes into, I think, preparing a, a draft to happen at a pro tour. I think they're going to go Path of Least mm-hmm. Resistance. I think they're going to do Belgian one day, Japanese the other day, because I think that is, you know, if the sourcing issue, if all this is equal on the sourcing issue and they can't get enough product there, I think that will be the easiest thing for them to do. And they will see that as a fair solution to all players. Do you know the problem is, is that you can tell as soon as you open the packs, oh, the yeah, card stock sure. is different. So this is this is what I'm worried is going to happen. And just let me get on my soapbox for one mm-hmm. quick second. And we'll move on because I've I've talked enough about how much this issue annoys me to no end. Um, if they decide to just use Belgium for the whole time, and and I could see this happening, and they just don't tell people, they go, we've got a solution. And the solution is we're just going to use Belgium and not tell people that it's Belgium. As soon as you pick up that pack and you feel the card stock, okay, it's Belgian card stock. It's not Japanese card stock. And then after a couple of packs, you see that, you know, the... The only thing you're not going to know is the distribution. Like maybe they have changed the distribution. That sounds like a lot of work. My thought is they probably haven't. And they were probably just going to end up with Belgian packs. And in that case, I think it's a really crappy solution, to be honest. I think they've kind of deceived players a little bit, but whatever is what it is. Yep. All right. So let's go into the deck. Um, Yeah, let's lead off with some of the sort of high level question, which were, uh, you know, what are some of the key learnings from your testing process in preparation to this pro tour? Did anything stand Mm -hmm. out? And uh, when you, you know, obviously you laid out Briar, but were there any other heroes in that process that you uh, maybe thought about picking instead? Hmm. Yeah. So we're going to go, you know, you've obviously got these top level questions um so if people are looking for the deck list it's going to be down in the description and brendan's going to bring some graphics up a little bit later if you're on video as we get into breaking down the deck a little bit my key learnings from testing were really that like i said i'll just keep these pretty top level ultim's going to define the format rangers are really really good lexi is my preference of ranger if i was going to play a ranger i think um my also learnings from ranger is that ranger mirrors suck mm. they are really not fun to play i don't think the lexi mirror is fun to play at all um so that was my personal learning um ultim's really strong dromai is better than i think i necessarily thought but it still is a deck that's going to struggle 
Uh, and that Briar had this kind of position in the meta where you can have, and the reason then ultimately that I would land on Briar, I think, in, for this PT and, and the decklist I'm going to present, is that you, I think you have a good matchup to Ultim. I feel really good about that matchup. I think your matchup into Dromai is good. I think your matchup into Lexi with the plan I'm going to show you is also reasonable. I think it's somewhere around, it's, I'm not, I'll give a range. It's somewhere between 40 and 60, depending mm-hmm. on deck lists and stuff, I think. Um, I think your Azalea matchup is tough, but I think that's coming to drop off a little bit. So that's kind of my key learnings from testing was why I thought Briar was well positioned. Okay. Well, let's just go ahead and get into the deck, um, starting off with the equipment. And this is one of my favorite uh, favorite sets of equipment I've ever seen on a deck. Um, okay. It, I'll, I'll just read it from the top too for any, audio, any audio listeners. It's uh, Crown of Providence, Fiendal Spring Tunic, Grass of the Arc Knight, Resident of Thorn, and Snapdragon Scalers. That's it. That's it, baby. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the deck list is really, really tight because of there's basically two kind of key game plans or three key game plans happening in this deck. And uh, there's no room for Arcane Barrier. I'll tell you what. So my advice would be is if you're looking to play Briar, maybe something similar to this list for the calling, for instance, I would probably get Crown of Dichotomy in for the Icelander matchup. The problem is, is the Icelander matchup sucks. Like it is your worst match, one of your worst matchups, I think. And one piece of Nolrun doesn't really help you. Just win the die roll and go first and try and steamroll them. Like honestly, <clears throat> the matchup sucks, even if you have Crown of Dichotomy. So um, I just, there's no room for it. I just, the, another card's more important to me than something like Crown of Dichotomy. Now, the other option is, you know, Kano, worry about Kano's, uh, keep the Crown of Dichotomy and the, the Shock Charmers. Again, just don't think mini can is gonna yeah. chop. You can race them too. Like that's the thing is like this deck. It's it's not great. It's not great. But you, it's the same strategy you'd have against isolated. Just win the die roll and beat them down and hope they don't draw the card. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And this deck list comes down to the meta game prediction, and I just predict that. Uh, wizards can't be that well supported so yeah very nice clean set of equipment there you play the same equipment in every single matchup all right right. well let's head on to the main deck i'm gonna read this all out so i know it's gonna be a mouthful but for audio listeners i know it's important so bramble spark uh sorry three bramble spark three channel heroic one coax of commotion we'll come back there (laughs) three e-strike three give and take three lightning surge three nimbleism three premeditate three uh, Ravenous Rabble, three Scar for Scar, three Snatch, three Swarming Blue Veil. Um, and those are all reds, of course. And then we go into the blues. So there are no yellows in the deck. So three blue Autumn's Touch, three blue Earth Lore Surge, Earth Lore Surge, three blue Force of Nature, three blue so-, so Tomorrow, one This Rounds on Me, and three Tome of Harvest. Anything? Let's, mm-hmm. I'll let you take it away from there, Hayden. Yeah. So it's a 50 card core deck, basically. Uh, you're basically playing. All of these cards in every single matchup, one or two cards might tweak because of some cards that need to come in over the top of things. But this is basically the the core of the deck uh, in terms of attack actions versus non-attack actions. So it's, uh, what is the final result? Two, three, four, seven, eight. So it's, um, there's 25 non-attack actions in the deck. So you kind of bring in five non-attack actions, five attack actions into the sideboard. But there's also, we're going to get to it, there's defense reaction package mm-hmm. in the sideboard. So a lot of the time it's more about the attack actions coming in um, and that's matchup dependent. So I don't know, where, where do you want to start? I can yeah, start I with wanna, kind I want to of... start with the weird cards, to be honest. Um, sure. Because there's there's obviously, Briar's been around for a long time and this deck, this deck looks similar to that. Uh, most Briar decks mm-hmm. do, but there it are does. some standouts. Uh, let's start with Premeditate. Uh, I think this is a card mm-hmm. that I, I think is very powerful. It's, you know, plunder run at home, <laughs> I guess, but... Uh, <laughs> 
It's strong, and I know I know there's wireless. And I was talking with Patera Patel today, who I'm going to be yeah. on uh, Twitter Space. He doesn't. He hadn't didn't have the Cardinals list. What do you like about Premeditate? What is the function of this deck? And you know, is that Ponder Token as strong, or is it strong enough that it can it can compare it to something you know like a Plunder Run? Is it a similar effect? Yeah. So Premeditate is a card that I think people, uh, no one's kind of like ah, it's fine. People either think it's unplayable in Briar and you should be staying away from it, or they think like me that it's very, very good and a very powerful tool. I think the the one thing I'll talk about. So Nimbleism is very good, right? Now Premeditate is Nimbleism on steroids, and the Ponder Token also allows you to play around Inertia, which mm-hmm. in two of your tougher matchups is one of the cards that can really sort of destroy any sort of setup you can have now the the kind of concern with i guess ponder is like hey what if you draw you know the blue um so premeditate is a card that you have to change adapt your your patterns of gameplay or the way you play a little bit Mm. and to say that is that you want to be setting attack actions up in your arsenal so that when you draw this card you have the full effect of it and it's also so that uh you keep crown around longer so that you can potentially crown out a blue if you draw it now most of the blues are, f- are fine anyway um because of what you tweak into the matchups where premeditate has its full effect so uh this rounds on me we spoiler we have two more on the in the sideboard for a particular matchup which we'll talk about but other than sort of tome um and autumn's touch the other blues can be serviceable uh but they're also a smaller part of the deck as well and then i guess with that attack action sort of game plan putting that attack action to your arsenal that is actually one of the better ways to play briar anyway and i think people move away from that i actually think premeditate encourages better play patterns mm-hmm. it means that you when you draw channel mountain rocks bramble sparks um all these kind of draws you you have better setup uh and premeditate is no different so basically i think you know you've you've got a card that can be zero for five or six and it's a non-attack action which is half an embodiment i think you should be playing this card but I can see why people aren't. But for me, in this list in particular, it's it's really good. And that's another reason why give and takes in the list as well. Natural go again. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> talk to me Talk to me about give and take. You said natural go again. Yeah. Um, does it have any other function in the deck? Yeah, blocks three as well, which is actually really important to have a non-attack action that blocks three. Uh, it Cost structure-wise, it actually works in well because it costs one. So off of a, off a blue, it actually, actually works pretty well in this deck. Um, into Ultim as well. Mm-hmm. It is just a really, really strong piece of of card you can have you know into the late game but also the other thing it actually does into things like you know dromai or even uh into maybe say some of the the rangers that want to be blocking a little bit is that this can increase the sort of power level of your draws so you're going to find that some of the time you know you pair this with a an attack buff at bramble spark nimbleism whatever and people are looking to defend this card you're going to get really good benefit out of this uh which is that you're gonna be able to put rather than you're gonna fix your draw effectively mm-hmm. it's like sort of opting a little bit it's like getting a more relevant card on top of your deck um so the default was always well you know it gets back channel mountain rock and it can and that's really important against matchups like ultim but the other thing this does is get back just important pieces of attack or non-attack actions for your next following turn um based on what you put in arsenal you know oh, i'm gonna end with an attack action here premeditates really good next turn for instance so uh yeah give and take i think has a lot of value in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very powerful attack. Um, let's talk about the two one ofs in the main deck. Uh, they do some mm-hmm. very different roles, but you know the one coast of commotion uh, and the one this rounds on me. Talk to me about those. So coast commotion through my testing has been three of. It's been a two of. It's been a one of. It's been a, a, a none of. Um, it's a tech that I think is fine. It's really powerful when you pair it with embodiment of lightning 
and Channel Mount Heroic in sort of really big turns, right? Especially into matchups like like Ultimate. It does shine quite a lot. Uh, the problem I have with that card is that, you know, it's a lot of the time it's just a, a it says nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, in a lot of aggro matchups, it's literally doing nothing. You're, you're choosing no mode on that card, um, which can be a problem. So I think it's the weakest of those kind of options, that and sort of Entwine Lightning, uh, which can, can gain go again, depending on what you're playing in your deck. So basically, this has kind of been a flex spot for other attack actions mm-hmm. and so in some matchups this what this means because the deck is so tight is that you actually have to play other just generic zero for four attack two defenses like exude confidence uh, or infectious host which is sitting in the cyber which we'll talk about so this is kind of just the fact that there's there's a slot for this to fit in and it's better than those generic options now this would be the first card to be cut if i was looking for another option to fit in because mm-hmm. i don't think this is much of an upgrade on just a generic zero for four except in the ultimate matchup which is relevant because we've talked about how good that deck is but i think this deck is kind of set up for ultimate anyway sorry to uh sorry to tangent but i just wanted to ask you did you uh during your testing process did you, did you ever revisit the deck that we had at pro tour baltimore prior mm-hmm. to switching the sort of go tall briar deck with rise of replenish but it does seem like it could be potentially powerful um against sultan but also against something like azalea um because you are able, able to play those those taller attacks uh still the wildwood yeah, Stir the Wildwood. Did it, what did I say? Yeah, Rise yeah, of yeah. Replenish. Yeah, Rise of Replenish is in this deck, but uh, yeah, Stir the Wildwood. <laughs> um, bri- briefly, I think the the main problem. So, explosive growth was is like the the big marquee of like why I think you want to do that. Mm-hmm. Again, it's another attack action that blocks three, and it's one that can really punish, particularly Ranger, because it doesn't want to be throwing cards to prevent arcane damage, um, or even blocking for that for that matter. So you can really have these massive big turns. I think the the i actually think that deck is pretty good and is worth revisiting some more i think my kind of problem i had with that is that the way that kind of um particularly azalea is playing is i don't think it's good mm-hmm. to azalea and even lexi like depending on your draw it can just be worse and it makes it really hard to play something like the defensive package you have too many of these cards that don't synergize together don't work well together and creepers requires you to have a few turns and it, sometimes you just don't get those so I actually think it's pretty close. I liked Explosive Growth. I think a card like Stir the Wildwood into, you know, reasonably go tall is good. I, it's just, I don't think that's particularly good into Guardian. That was the problem as well, Stir. Yeah, I, I recall our experience back then. I, I believe that deck was beating, um, yeah, pretty much everything except the mirror. <laughs> it turns out Pro Tour, uh, Pro Tour Lil was all mirrors. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not a great pick. Well, Explosive but... Growth was great in the mirror, but yep, yeah. Yep. All right, let's head into the uh, the sideboard, Hayden. Um, well, quickly, you asked about this rounds on me, right? Mm. Actually, we can, we can talk about that in the sideboard, I think. Um, We've got two more I did just want to. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say any other kind of like call outs in this main deck, there's, mm. there's not really any kind of other i guess call outs it's a 16 blues is kind of what i like to play um but for for certain matchups there is more so yeah probably probably good to go to sub <laughs> <laughs> okay so i'll read it off uh three command and conquer one down and dirty Oof. uh two red earth or surge uh three exude confidence three infectious host two red right of punishment three red sink below three sonata arcanics three red immovable in two blue this rounds on me hayden it's a sideboard so i think we just gotta go literally left to right top down just talk to me about every single card to be honest well this is this is where the spice is anyway yeah. right <laughs> yep all right come in and conquer is it is it well positioned I mean- in this format Yes. Yeah, I rangers. think so. Yes, yes. Yeah, we're sitting in a format of, of rangers. Uh, also, it's a popper into Dromai. Dromai is very good. But yeah, I mean, I, there's not much more to say about it, to be honest. Yeah, down and dirty. So down and dirty is the the sort of, I guess it's the 79th or 80th card in the deck right now. Maybe that or Cokes. And a big part of it is actually shout out to, to Nick Butcher, 
he sort of suggested this as kind of maybe a last card to add into the deck. Uh, the drummer matchup is like can be somewhere from good to fine, depending on what sort of version they're playing. Um, but some of your poppers can be a little bit awkward. And Down and Duty is just like the best card in the matchup. Like I, this card is going to be so interesting when we get to the next format and we have more illusionists in mm-hmm. the format because what a lot of the problems sometimes you have when you're playing into a deck like Briar into Dromai, for instance, is that sometimes you draw the poppers and they just want to defend out with their defensive cards and maybe develop their board with a single dragon, for instance. And now all of a sudden you're stuck with like this attack that doesn't really work with your um, Charm of Heroic turn that you've maybe got going on or it doesn't really work with the kind of cost structure of your hand. So it's like, what am I actually doing with this card? Sometimes you're even just having to like pitch it. It feels terrible. Down and Dirty can obviously be a much better option to sit in Arsenal and then just defend with next turn or you even just attack with it. So I think it's a, you know, if I was really expecting a lot of Dromai, maybe I'd even try and fit two Down and Dirty in my deck. Mm-hmm. All right, two red Ortho Surge. Yeah, Earthal Surge, I think, is really, really important into the ultimate matchup. I think this is super MVP in that matchup. Um, also, I, I just really like Earthal Surge because of the cost structure with zero costs in the deck. So let's say your hand is mm-hmm. blue, Scar for Scar, and Earthal Surge. You know, you're looking at uh, 13 damage right there across those three cards. That is what decks can give you 13 damage off three cards. Not many. So um, that's another reason I think that card's yeah. just really, really strong. Um, exude Confidence also for the ultimate matchup, I would assume. Yeah, Ultim, obviously Icelander as well, uh, if those are coming up. But as well, Exude Confidence, if you're expecting decks to, you know, maybe as like defensive dash, for instance, as well. Um, this card just provides you ways to to make it their life a lot more difficult, mm-hmm. which is exactly what you want. All right, this is the one that I had the first... <laughs> so when I looked at this list, I was like, okay, this is the card that stuck, uh, stuck out, uh, stood out to yeah. me, and I was like, what is this? All right, three red Infectious Host. What are they doing? beating up on your Lexi opponents. This is probably the best card in the Lexi matchup. This this is what I think makes... So one thing... So Lexi, if you look at the last format, Briar versus Lexi, it was, you know, seen as kind of Lexi favored, the Ice, the ice Lexi decks. Um, but, you know, we saw Tarek was a pretty big proponent of cards like Talisman of Warfare, for instance, and having options to use your equipment well and sort of just, you know, get through that matchup. He thought it was pretty close, I think. Um, I would say now that they've moved away from Ice, that's a big help. You know, there's still a couple of cards and there's like Winter's Bite. They do have some disruptive elements to a degree. Uh, but mostly what they're doing is, you know, just coming in with good arrows, going wide and presenting, you know, you with these tokens, with these these frailty, these blood rot, these inertia tokens. Mm-hmm. And Infectious Host, as soon as they put one of those on the board, you know, you're not wanting to defend most of those arrows. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, you're taking the damage, but you get to push it back. So you're looking at a zero for six on something like Infectious Host. So you're really upping what your zero for fours are doing into zero for sixes, sometimes zero for eights. That is huge. And that is why Infectious Host is such an important card in the matchup. It's also good against Lexi. They're doing something similar. Um, you know, let's say they do come in with a dominated arrow that gives you a blood rot pox, for instance. Maybe you can defend with one card on your next turn you could have come in with like a zero for four but in this instance you should come back in for a zero for six so you get to you know if, if they've read the legend for instance and gave you a blood rot pox so it's all just giving you additional value in that range of matchup which is really important and how you need to be able to win that matchup okay it's all numbers yeah two red <laughs> drone of brutality ah sorry right to replenishment hold him yeah and poppers him. i mean yeah, pop poppers. Do you even is, take them into your mind? Do you do you max do you max out your poppers? Yeah, or? Okay. yeah, max out your poppers. I think unless you know that they're playing in a particular way where they're not going to play in poppers or they're playing a more defensive deck where they're going to look for chromise and um, Mirago's first. But even still, I, I think you know defensive three, it's six damage on a stick um, or it's a popper. So I think you you probably still have to play these. 
Uh, but yeah, mo- mostly for the ultimate matchup mm-hmm. for the fatigue matchups, which how much ultimate fatigue is going to show up with PT? Hard to know, but I think I definitely want these two slots. You could also play Evergreen. Evergreen has, if you're not expecting that much ultimate fatigue, you could play Evergreen because it has a better sort of use. It's just a more useful card mm-hmm. into other matchups. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also much better as a threat into something like Dromai if you have to just play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, fuses force nature. It's not, definitely not zero. Okay, um, on to the three red sink below. Uh, I mean, adding defense reactions. So the immovables, you see that, and you're like, okay, I know that's there. You know, obviously, we got to go tall Azalea. We've got you know, these rangers hitting you with hard on hit effects. But the four zero for four defense reactions making their way into your briar deck. What are they for? Like, why do you have them? In the three deck? of them. Three of them. Sorry. Yeah, there's three. Yeah, zero three for four. Blows. And there's three of them. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll talk about them together. So you've got three sink below and three three red unmovable. Mm-hmm. So these are yeah, these are ranger packages. You asked before, are you you know defense reactions for Bravo, for instance? Uh, I prefer not to if I'm going um, in Bravo. I think there's maybe some argument to play the sink blows. I'm not playing enough blues in that matchup to support the unmovables. I think so. Sink blows. Ranger, both Rangers, Lexi and Azalea. Uh, the way you're using your sync blows all the time is to... The, the card filter is actually super relevant, by the way. But a lot of the time, you're pairing it with a, a card from hand plus the sync blow from Arsenal, or you're pairing it with a piece of equipment to stop a particular on-hit effect and then pivoting with four cards on your turn um, is what you're often doing in those matchups. And then unmovable is just for Azalea. So not for Lexi, it's just for Azalea for the go tall. And I think it's super relevant and you need it. And you have some extra blues for... Okay. To balance that out. Why do you have three Sonata Arcanics in the sideboard? Mm, because if you're playing the defensive package into these ranges, you don't play Sonata, basically. But, you know, Ultim's uh, decks where you're not bringing in these defense reactions, you play Sonata. It's still super powerful. I just, it's a card that I actually don't particularly like Sonata because I hate not having consistency in my decks. But the card is too powerful when you do have a 30-30 split to, to not be playing. Okay. Finally here, this round's on me. One in the main deck, two in the sideboard. Yeah, so uh, these these extra blue slots, I've played around with a lot of cards. I think there's a few criteria you want, right? So you definitely want a card that defends for three right now because of just, you know, Ranger in this format. So I think you have to play one of these these generic blues that defend for three. People have played, you know, Whisper of the Oracle in the past. Sift is kind of the upgrade on that now. Um, I, I played around with Oath of the Arknight for quite a while. Uh, because I think it's a blue that gives you this block three slash block four with an embodiment and then into some of the more defensive matchups just has a lot more value um, and a lot more value if you do get blue flooded. The problem I have with that card is that, you know, it's more for, like I say, maybe more defensive decks to have these over blues. On the other hand, though, this round's on me is one of the best cards you can see, like turn zero against Lexi. Mm -hmm. And I think you, the only reason I'm playing this is literally it's a blue that blocks for and sideboards in for unmovables and for defensive purposes. But also, it does have really good utility against Lexi, and that that's that's where you want it. Okay, I mean that that sums up the deck. Let's talk about like uh, what's sort of the core philosophy behind the deck. Uh, can you talk a little bit? Speak to maybe first the disparity between your Briar deck and you know maybe some more popularized lists that are floating around right now. What in what slots have you specifically chosen to add cards that aren't in those other Briar decks, and why do you believe those cards give you an edge in the context of the meta? I think it's mostly it's mostly premeditate and probably the the infectious host and the six defense reactions. I think we've seen a different a few different ways to use Briar. So some people have gone with like you know like come to fight for instance and and trying to be a bit, bit slower, a bit more mid rangey. I would say this deck is still the core fundamental is to be aggressive and is to use these these other cards as ways to pivot, as ways to 
buy turns so that you continue to be aggressive. Uh, so sink belows, unmovables. And then the other thing is that premeditate obviously changes the way that you have to play when you don't have those cards in the deck, which is that you play more, you play with, uh, I guess, an arsenal setup a lot of the time. Now, that's obviously a lot harder into some matchups than others, but where you can do it, you get massive payoff. So I would say this deck is is not that different. It just has some tweaks to the play patterns and one to three turns per game look quite different to what you do with normal Briar. And you have to make some value oriented decisions about when you're going to be able to, how you can be able to set yourself up for future turns and making sure that you don't um, put yourself in a position where you just get absolutely crushed by your draws. That's kind of, so I'd say it's maybe it's a little bit harder to play to a degree. Mm. You've got to think a little bit more about what your future turn is going to look like for premeditates, for your crown of um, providence, for instance, for your defense reactions and what happens when you draw those. But overall, it's not too dissimilar, mm. I would say. All right, let's, well, let's get into matchups. Talk to me about your ultimate matchup. And the first question for an ultimate matchup is how are you pre-boarding and what, uh, what archetype are you expecting? Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm going to expect mid-range to slash defensive ultims. I don't think we're going to see, you know, last one we saw a lot of like, you know, three red glacial footsteps, three red thunderquake, for instance. I think they're going to focus more on the on hits because of ranger, or they're going to focus on being defensive. So um, I'm going to I'm going to set up for that. I'm going to I'm going to leave the defense reactions on the sideboard, but you're bringing in your sonatas, uh, exude confidence, obviously really important. Earth or surge are really important in the matchup, and basically. You're just trying to play you how you normally wouldn't to ult him. You're trying to um, garner value, set up good five-card hands, find Shaman Heroic turns, give and take, premeditate, both are going to help you in that matchup as well. Mm. Do you believe it is uh, favored or unfavored? Favored. I, I mean, I've always thought it's been great for Briar. Mm-hmm. But, All right, you know. on to Lexi. Yeah, Lexi, so this is where you are bringing in the sink blows, the CNCs, um, and the this round's on me, obviously. And this matchup is, uh, I think I take out one premeditate in these matchups. The reason I still like premeditate, especially into to Lexi, um, you're just playing the three sync blows. And yes, they do have inertia, second destroys, but you can always play out your hand. You can. There's no, there's no reason you're not going to have to play out your hand. So uh, you're not going to get cards stuck in Arsenal. And worst comes to worst, you have crowns. So you can still be pretty aggressive. You are trading damage with them. You're just looking to block key attacks. And when they're doing you know, particular sort of things. And then you're trying to find your your big turns um, and, and race them effectively. Okay. What do you think, uh, which, which we put as the third most important deck? Like what what is the, I don't know, the third most represented or the, like, what would you put in that let's number? Let's take a things? punt. Okay. Dromai. Dromai. Let's talk Dromai. Yep. Yeah. I mean, this is where you have your, your poppers for. <laughs> um, obviously, that's where they're going to shine. And I would say it's how you play this matchup is really going to depend on on what the, the Dromai is doing. Uh, I would say that often the way I'm playing this is using Rosetta Thorn to clean up key dragons, but you do have to point damage at their face. Like they will amass advantage if you let them. You know, they will set up Ash, they will use their defensive cards to keep their life total pretty high while you're trying to clean up certain things. And they might even just stack up Ash Wings on you, for instance, plus one or two key dragons. And then they can actually turn the tide of the game with some of their more aggressive cards. So you do need to be pressuring their life total. You do need to be going at them. You do need to find, you know, a good channel amount of heroic turn to send straight at their face. Um, so poppers help with that. You've also got premeditate package, etc. Do you feel uh, do you feel good in the mirror with this deck, or do you think the other Briar decks that have you know more popularized or at least more public right now are favored against mm-hmm. you? It's a great question. I haven't really thought about the mirror too much because I just don't think it's going to show up that that much i think the decks look pretty similar to be honest i'd say you have you know access to a couple more three blocks which is which is quite nice um i mean 
the mirror, as you know, the mirror match is hard to get an edge in, to be honest. So I don't think it's necessarily better or worse. Mm. Do we need to make any distinction? We talked about Lexi, but do we need to make a distinction for Azalea? Like, is it? Yeah, so Azalea is, Azalea is different. So mm. this matchup, you are definitely looking to pick your spots a bit more. You are looking to be, um, I guess, you're trying to protect your life total to some degree because if they land, you can't really do much against a Red Ledger turn unless you you have the unmovable or the sink below an arsenal or the unmovable in hand plus equipment. So you do really need to pick your spots. And sometimes you actually want to let the Red Ledger hit. You actually want to let it just take it and mm. um, set up for future turns because just because they're coming for Red Ledger doesn't mean you, you can't do anything, right? Like you can block with a card from hand. So say you have a four card hand. Say you've just had an aggressive turn or something and they've taken the damage to Red Ledger you. You could be in a position where it's just like, okay, block with one card, um, and then I pitch and come in with like a, a CNC on my turn or something, or you know, an E Strike for something. That's why E Strike also really good for seven. Uh, and then you just ask on the last card, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, they're reading ledgers me, but I didn't lose any value out of that, or not much value out of it. So often, you know, you might be taking reading ledgers. You're just looking for kind of good ways to control the game. The games can actually go kind of long. They can also defend quite well. So if you just like go sort of balls to the wall for like a bit of term and just go straight out of them, they can actually defend your key turns and then come back at you with better on hits while you're taking damage so you know sometimes if they're not dominating an arrow they're coming in for like seven or something sometimes i am throwing two or three cards at them to stop their on hit effect mm -hmm. do you think it's uh, a dynamic matchup to sort of circle back do you think you're favored or unfavored into lexi i think it depends on the build i think my experience of being you're just you're, you're favored mm -hmm. into what the current builds look like okay favorite. that's the reason i'm playing the deck yeah favored right? or unfavored into azalea uh, i think you're slightly unfavored okay i would love to hear another favorite i'm just like <laughs> you preface it with like this might not be the best deck but it's favored into everything um well like that's the reason i'm playing it right is i think you've got really good options into or the reason i would play it you've got really good options into these matchups so i wouldn't i wouldn't be talking about it if i didn't believe that you're somewhere close to favored into mm -hmm. most of these matchups um is there anything else you want to mention about the deck the meta anything regarding it or maybe some matchups maybe we didn't talk about quite yet i mean icelander like you said you're trying to dodge it from what i understand for the most part if you pair into it go first run them over mm -hmm. yeah exactly that's your plan uh, a couple of things i wanted to point out with the deck is just some some sort of things so premeditate is a really good card against inertia and you know the the arsenal destruction as well you can obviously stack those so that mm -hmm. you draw the card after the inertia um so you get to keep your arsenal potentially the other thing as well is that i think give and take is a card that i i think i've kind of touched on this already but you want to use that strategically it's not just always oh channel my hero goes back on top of my deck it's often really contingent on the game state and if you're forcing your opponent to defending with it like sometimes bramble spark is one of the best cards you can get back for instance mm -hmm. um or if they block with two cards bramble spark and a blue or channel yeah so there is a lot of different ways to play that card and i think the other thing as well is that in a lot of matchups, your turns can look quite dynamic. This isn't necessarily flat-out aggro. Like, you are using your cards to defend in some situations. You are trying to protect your life total to find good pivot turns, especially because this meta looks like a lot of on-hit effects. So you do need to be aware of that. Yeah. I had a question, uh, but I kind of lost that question. I was going to ask, like, did you ever consider cutting the Tome Harvest because of its, you know, the lack of ability to arsenal alpha something like a premeditate? And then I was like, oh, crown of providence, lol. And I'm assuming that's the answer. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of, so you could play, I don't know, Weave Earth, for instance, over it, but 
like, do you want to weave earth in your? How much better is a weave earth in your arsenal than just nothing in your arsenal? And the answer is pretty minimal, right? So if you draw the tome, you can just not arsenal it. Mm, yeah, but it's small. It's small. Or you can just arsenal crown it, and like I think the tome as yeah. well. Like after Crown of Providence, I, I think that before Crown of Providence was printed, the tome was a question, uh, especially back in the old pl- plunder run decks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But nowadays, like the one freebie is all you need, and the card itself is really freaking good. <laughs> like when you draw it's the really full non attack action hand, and you're like, oh, I've got a tome, oh, straight to the bank. Um, it's also worth half an embodiment. It's it's actually just yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, anything else before we close out? Um, actually, sorry, just on that. Tome mm-hmm. is also an out as well. So, like, you arsenal your so tomorrow or whatever, you draw into a tome, off your premeditate, you mm-hmm. draw your tome turn, and you've got fuel for your tome. That's sort of the other thing to point out. No, I, I think that does it. Uh, deck list is down in the description. Um, I think I've even, like, left on this particular version of the deck. I think there's even some, like, sideboarding notes. This isn't necessarily a reflective of how I would 100% sideboard. I just want to point that out. Uh, there's still a few things I was kind of tweaking around with, but you can go and check out my kind of thought process there at least. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah, definitely check that out. I, I agree with you. I think that this is a really well-positioned deck. Um, I do think that there will, uh, like we said, the top of the pod, there's going to be more people bringing Briar than have been bringing it to the Battlehorn in North America, but I still think that <laughs> even though it was the same freaking story at the World Championships, Briar is underrated going into this tournament. Um, really, like if you solve that old him matchup and you think you're super favorite into old him and you have game against the other decks, I think you're in a great spot. If you, you know, go one and two, you're like, I'm favorite into old him and I'm favorite into Lexi, even if you go 50. 50 across some of the decks even have some losing matchups i think you're in a great spot for this meta but uh ultimate would be the thing first and foremost on my mind um mm. and it does look like you know you solve sort of the ranger problem with some of the tech in this deck and to a degree, to a degree. it's hard right it's, like you're still, the, the problem is you know, that the, the problem with playing briar i think is like let's look at some of the best decks from the past two formats and um, i'll look at icelander and ultimate in particular they're so consistent and I think as a player, you can sit there with the confidence of having consistency of playing at your game plans. And yes, you will play. You don't really get too many free wins, but you have consistency. And as a as a good player, you can feel confident in your ability to to grind those matchups out, to find the right lines, to gain the advantage. A deck like Briar, I think it's a lot harder to feel that, especially particularly with like maybe this kind of build. You could sit down against Ultim and you know you could feel really favored like I do, and the game might not go your way mm-hmm. for consistency reasons for maybe the game plans just don't quite line up as well same with ranger i feel into lexi i feel favored but like it's not that much and lexi deck is kind of nuts right they can just have these crazy three of a kind rain razor turns they can just have the right on hit effects at the right time to really punish you so it's it's as a kind of semblance of losing a little bit of control but at the end of the day i think the deck's good i think briar is a good place to be i don't think it's just the best deck in the format i think ultim's best deck in the mm-hmm. format but i think it's a good medical if you didn't play briar what would you play Kano. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's Lexi. Would you play Lexi? I feel like you would. No, I would. I would. Play- I would. I would. I would probably play Ultim. Ultim. Okay. I play. Okay. I would grind trying to learn the mirror as hard as possible, and yeah. I don't think I'd play Ultim. Dude, I've been saying it for weeks. Like, there's gonna be a lot of people who go to this tournament. They've heard everybody say the Ultim is the best deck, and like. There is a big disadvantage to Ultim being the best deck because it's not one you can just pick up and play. It is that you can pick up and play it against most decks in the meta but when you get to the mirror it is freaking oh, it dude. is deep water oh. <laughs> it is a good reason to not play ultim is when ultim is the best deck is because you're going to run into a lot of mirrors and yeah i mean it just takes a lot of uh, a lot of work to get to the proficiency that you need to be able to consistently perform in those um anyway video version of this podcast on youtube if you didn't know um check it out link in the description below for 
the deck list. Um, Twitter, Brendan APG, Fendale, or Fen underscore Dale, sorry. Uh, and don't forget to check out the Arsenal Pass Patreon. We've got some deck techs and deck guides up on there if you're looking for some stuff to pick up for the pro tour we did talk about the zalea deck we specifically did a deck deck with brody spurlock the person who's been terrorizing the battle hardens in the united states and he did a deck deck and deck guide with us and this is a sideboard guide over on patreon but that closes out next time we speak to you we're going to be breaking down the pro tour which is really exciting um you know let's hayden you know what i'm gonna close it out with we had my we had my top eight prediction what's yours Put me in the spot. You probably got a whole week to sort yours out. No, I did okay. in five minutes. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go less Ultim than okay. you. I think probably what we see is three Ultim, two Lexi, uh, two Lexi. I'm going to put a Briar in there. I mean, I'm, I'm backing it. I would have played the deck. Okay. Uh, I'm going to... I want a draw mine. Yeah, because the numbers, like, if, if if there's like, if enough people show up on that deck, you know, it's like you get a, I don't know, uh, wrong clock is right twice a day, but this, dash. T- in this, in this chance once a day. Okay, dash. Yeah, it makes sense. I think that the old him, uh, you taking old him from four down to three, I think that that is totally fair. Uh, but I do think that, you know, whether you put old him at three in the top eight or four in the top eight is representative of sort of the same belief, which is that deck is the rock of the format and is likely to be the most played deck. You put that together. Um, it's going to be in top eight. I think that I would, I would bet the house that it's going to be in top eight and I think it'll be there in multiples. I want to cover my, cover my, my booty a little bit, okay. my butt a little bit. I in this lead up to this event, I could see somehow Lexi pivoting to be the number one deck, mm-hmm. and more people playing Lexi than Ultim. I don't think it's going to happen. I think people are going to keep their wits about them and and stay steadfast and true. But I think you could see three Lexi in top eight, for instance. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say two. All right. Well, that concludes episode 106 of Arsenal Pass. See you all next week to break down the Pro Tour results. See you later.